With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Daniel Bryan, I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. 
Yeah, me too. Me too. It's, awesome, uh, awesome. Obviously. You said obviously, obviously. No, no, I was just waiting. I was waiting for you since you you started talking <laughs> as well. So. No, that's all right. Go ahead, go right ahead, man. What what you got on your mind? No, I'm just saying that was a very pivotal part of uh of my early career and it really helped uh you know me become the wrestler that I am today. So yeah. it a huge influence on me. Absolutely. So what made you want to start wrestling? Uh, I've told this story a few times. Uh my dad actually did it, so I was around it as a kid. And it was just something that I loved doing. So I got in the ring, and it just seemed like, you know, so much fun. And it was just something that I really fell in love with. And uh, that's why I wanted to become a professional wrestler. Yeah. That's that's pretty awesome, man. So you started doing some some independent work um, before you went to Ring of Honor. Uh, you did some you did some work from NW, for NWA, right? Uh, yeah, I used to work for IPW Hardcore Wrestling down here in St. Pete, and then mm-hmm. NWA, Florida, and those are the main two places in Florida I started working when I started doing indies, you know, on a regular basis. Yeah. What gave you to, what got you your break to ROH? Uh, I actually did some shows with uh, Dan Moff. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Jersey All Pro, and he had came down for IPW, and uh, he had just taken a liking to me. And it was, you know, we got along really well, and and he he said one day, hopefully he could help get me into Ring of Honor. And he was talking with Gabe, and an opportunity opened up, and uh, he stuck his neck out there for me, and uh, the rest is history from there. Yeah, yeah. Call yourself Mr. ROH, man, because you've been uh, you've been at it. You've been you've been one of the the cornerstones of ROH, and you really had an opportunity to hone in your craft at ROH. ROH has given you such an amazing opportunity in the past uh, dozen years. So, going into Ring of Honor, and of course, you know, a dozen years ago wasn't as popular uh, as it is now. What were you looking to do? Were you looking? Were you were you looking to use Ring of Honor as a as a stepping stone, or was it was it one of those things that you were thankful for the opportunity you want to make the best of it? Because about because at that time, you know, it wasn't as popular per se, but of course you had Joe, you had Punk, you had uh, 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 Low Key, James, you know, James Gibson, and a bunch of uh, you know legendary figures. How was it? How was it wrestling for Ring of Honor at that time? Well, I mean, I think the time that I came in, they were really starting to pick up momentum. And just for me, it was actually just a goal of mine. That was one of the the short-term goals that I had set for myself was to to at least wrestle for Ring of Honor one time. And uh, the year that I wanted to do it by, uh, it happened. So I got very, very lucky. And it was just, uh, you know, the environment there was, just full of, of hungry guys that want to, uh, you know, they want to personally get better, but they want, you know, they have enough pride and enough uh, 
of an ego to to care about the company and want to kind of carry it on their shoulders as well. So it was a very unique locker room. Yeah, yeah. And was it? What are some memorable matches that you had back in '03, '04 that you can that you can think about? Just for Ring of Honor, or in general? Yeah, just for, I mean, just for, for Ring of Honor. Uh, I mean, obviously, my first match with them was uh, was special, just because it. I didn't realize that over twelve years later, I'd be sitting here talking about still wrestling for this company. But yeah, uh, the first one, the pre-show four-way which was kind of a do or die, I believe. And then would be the night Generation Next debuted. You know, having the chance to go out there with four of the the best guys they have on the roster and putting in as much time as we did was was awesome. Yeah. One of them still uh, still an employee active, which is Alex Shelley. So, yeah. yeah. It's pretty awesome. And the Briscoes. Yeah, oh, that was yeah. Generation X, yeah. Mm-hmm. That match, it seems like so long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a dozen years is uh, <laughs> it's definitely interesting to talk about, you know, like you said, a, you know, over a dozen years later to to have this conversation and what you've done for Ring of Honor. And, you know, the the, the title rings that you've had, the, you I think you've been – television champion twice now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember the first time you won it as, as well. So, what was the what was the the goal from from a backstage point? What was the goal of, of Roderick Stone? Because I, I remember you started to because you had an ROH tag uh, tag title run uh, not too far after you got there, and you started to have a really good singles. Uh, run uh, a, f- a few years afterwards. Now the the first television uh, championship uh, you won, um, and let us know a little bit more about that. Like just just the the backstage leading up to it, and just how how was it for you to win a singles championship? Uh, it was it was big. Um, it was something that I obviously have wanted to do because that means a lot when a company does that for you, because that means yeah. that they believe you can help be the face or one of the faces of that company. And that's super important. Yeah. But just the, the lead up to it was, um, my chase for some gold. I mean, I had, uh, I had already been the ring of honor world champion. So, this is a, a big opportunity for me to become the TV champion. Yeah. It's part of your whole Mr. ROH thing. You've, you've carried, you're, you're only one of, well, I think, uh, what, uh, the thing, Eddie Edwards has carried all the championships as well, I think, but yeah, we're, you, the, we're the two. Yeah. The, yeah. You, you are the two, you and Eddie Edwards are the only two. That's carried uh, every single championship in ROH. It's pretty. It's pretty impressive, man. So I, that's that's really awesome. Let's let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. In 2005, you guys had an amazing match. I think it was uh, I think it was 2005. Uh, I think it was Vendetta, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And the match went almost an hour long. I just watched it recently, actually. Such a phenomenal, phenomenal match. 
relive that a little bit and let us know just how you were feeling going into the match and 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 after the match. I'm sure you were pretty drained. Yeah, I mean, I thought every match, which always you know progressively got longer, uh, they got better, but in different ways. And that was one of the best things about working with Brian. If he was, he he could paint a picture pretty well, and know what he's going to paint for the the next one before he's even done with the first one. So we kind of had a vision and it played out the way we wanted it to. And yeah. I was just nervous. That's uh, that's why you do it though to get those nerves and to overcome them. So mm-hmm. it, that was the biggest feeling that I had because I know I knew I was going for so long. I knew I was in there with someone so good. I just hope I could keep up. Yeah. Now, when you were, when you, you two were calling the match, did, were, were, did you call a lot of spots before the match, or was it just kind of, you know, the other option where you just go in and you trust each other enough to, you know, call the spots during the match enough to present an amazing you know, uh, picture to the fans. How, how did that go as far as as far as the match calling was concerned? Uh, me and Brian always wrestled a lot on feel, so that's uh, mm. mostly what we did. I mean, that was that was why that was such a pinnacle part of my career is to to be in those situations and be led through them to hopefully, you know, one day be able to do the same for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you went to TNA for a little bit. Um, let us know your your experience there, because I remember seeing you in TNA. I think that's – I remember you, you a little bit in ROH, but I remember you in TNA, and uh, there was some there was some opportunities that they gave you, but it, it seems like they never really went forward and, and gave you the push that you deserved from your, your wrestling ability. Why TNA was was it a was it a financial increase you wanted to to do was it an opportunity was it exposure why TNA and just let us know just your overall experience there from from your point of view. Well, I could still work for Ring of Honor at the time, so why not mm-hmm. TNA with TV exposure and just being young and that was why I got into it. I wanted to travel the world. I wanted to wrestle everybody that I possibly could and this was a way to just get my face on television yeah. and get to learn from some of the best. Yeah. So would you say that it was an overall good experience or, or not yeah, as it was good a great as you experience. expected? And TNA was the oh. great one. Yeah. I enjoyed yeah, it very awesome. much. Was it a as far as your release is concerned, was it a just couldn't find anything for you at the time booking wise? Well, they didn't release me. My contract just ran out and I didn't resign. So mm. it was just mm. me not wanting to be there anymore based on the fact that I thought it was going to stop my growth as a performer. Makes sense. Yeah. So you went to, uh, well, you, you did some PWG action and then of course you went back to, to ROH and became. I never you know, left ROH during that time. I was right. with them the whole time. You were with you were with T, you were with ROH the whole time, as far as your your TNA run too, as well, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. So you've been so you've been a mainstay the entire time since you ever left since '03. Yeah. 
Wow, that's uh, that's pretty incredible, man. That's uh, that's <laughs> no wonder why they they call you because I because I thought that the TNA that you left briefly, but Mm-mm. yeah, never never left ROH. That's pretty impressive. So, what are your goals uh, going forward? Are you you're a TV champ now, and uh, you, you kind of went to a kind of a change of uh, character. Uh, not not too rec- uh, not too far ago, um, and you're the TV champ now. And where are your goals? Well, the goal is to make the television title the number one title in Ring of Honor again, and that's by defending it against as many people as I possibly can, and you know just officially become the face of Ring yeah. of Honor once again. So that's my goal. Nice. Nice, nice. So, what do you, as far as as far as Daniel Bryan and Bryan Danielson concerned, how do you feel about his his retirement? Do you, you know, I know that he has a family. I don't know if you watched his speech or not, but I know you've had some great matches with Bryan Danielson. How do you feel about that whole thing, as far as the concussions are concerned? And he's only thirty four right now, and you know, of course, that was his career was really cut short because of the concussion. Do you think that, you know, his wrestling ability could have been toned down to extend his career? How do you, how do you feel about that? Uh, I mean, it's just one of those things you, you can't really say because obviously just doing what we do, it may be some, something as simple as locking up and bumping heads could give him a concussion. So mm-hmm. I think it's good. I mean, it's financially in the best place he possibly could be, I'm assuming, at this point. So he'll do all right for himself. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. I think that, you know, you've got agent agent positions and, and things like that that uh, the WWE, you know, the WWE has to offer. Um, so it's not necessarily the end for him. So. I, I agree. I agree with you. So, what's your what's your greatest greatest memorable moment? Your most memorable moment with Daniel Bryan or, or Bryan Danielson? My greatest. There's. I mean, there's quite a few. Just at the end of every match that I had in our feud with him, basically, and then beating him for the FIP title down here in Florida was uh, mm-hmm. was, was a big accomplishment. Cause I didn't really think I beat him in Ring of Honor. <laughs> hmm. But that's pretty maybe awesome. Maybe once. Man. I believe I did once. I don't know. I have to look that up. <laughs> awesome. That's great, man. I you know, and it's and it's important to to talk to people like you who really understand, you know, you feuded with, with Brian. So you you understand the heart and the passion and the drive that someone like Brian had, you know, being a small guy but still, you know, having that heart and that determination, uh, you know, to, to really exceed. You know, when when did you see in Brian part of his career that you saw personally that he was going to be a star? I always thought Brian would be just based on the fact that I appreciate such a great wrestler. But I don't know, when we were feuding it was when you could see that he was taking everything to the next level. So that's mm-hmm. what I would say. What do you think? Why do you think that he got the opportunity over, uh, you know, a bunch of other great ROH stars? What what differentiated Brian from everyone else? 
Brian, uh, you just earned it. Mm. I mean, and with that, it was his time to uh, go do what he needed to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome, man. So what's uh, so what's next for for Roderick Strong? You said you wanted to make the the, the television championship the number one championship. What uh, what type of dates do we have on ROH? I know we got the 14th anniversary coming up, right? Yeah, and we have Japan coming up before that. So, uh, yeah, just looking forward to those shows. Awesome. I don't have any awesome. announced opponents yet, so I'm just waiting to find out. You're just waiting. <laughs> well, you're the champ, man. You're the TV champ, so uh, you got to be ready at any at any call. So, um, wh- what do you say your best match of last year was 2015 man I liked them all for different reasons honestly mm. yeah, so no I I loved your series with, with Jay Lethal I think that that was just a classic and uh, of course you beat him for the for the TV championship and I think it was Kalamazoo right yep yeah, yeah. that's awesome that definitely stands out for me too yeah, that was uh, it was awesome. Indeed, it was, man. Awesome. Well, Roderick, appreciate your time, man. And uh, like I said, just I appreciate you unveiling yourself and uh, taking a stroll down memory lane with uh, you know uh, Brian Danielson uh, with his retirement. Any fu- any final words? Any closing words about uh, the career of Daniel Bryan? No, I mean everyone keeps saying it. You know, he just added so much in different ways, and he really helped, uh, you know, mold, you know, the different style wrestler. And I think uh, everyone thanks him for that. So that's yeah. it. Absolutely. Appreciate your time, Roger. Yep. Thanks, dude. Talk to you later. Bye. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. Four corners, three. Our mind. Let's go. The whole squad is making it clear. We taking this year. You know who we are, but you don't know why we here. So this is where the big boys play. These big boys play like who defies the living God. Get out the big boys' way. Outsiders with the swoop in. We live as kings. You see in us, but our third man waits in the wings. And when the time is right, we shock him with the proper attack. I go for dolo, but ain't solo. Cut the promo in black. Hollywood Hendrix Prizzle pinning them. To the max. And I'm Das Wonderkin with the strength of a hundred men. With one intent to see the will fulfilled of the one who sent his son to give himself. But you rap out your gas and your rags torture. White coffins when I drop a bomb. My mic's awesome, never lost faith. You in all space, you can all skate, suffer but never cripple. No bin walls in my cross face. From here to Saturday, Raven, anticipating. I was frostbit, now I am Glacier, mixed with some Vader. Get to hawking with these animals using. God for my defense in Alabama, we jamming. That's beautiful, Bobby E and me and Priest. We the dangerous alliance, nah. The Harlem Heat, tie the do rag before we do battle. You're talking shit, you all what you speak. This too still a genre is took back. We repping that wolf pack. The foundation shaking, no mistaking. Yeah, we shook that. Trust in God, we trust. Pushing forward, never look back. Meekness ain't at all weakness. Some people must shook that. Stamp 
sniffing out this crook rap. He turning the power on, on the razor's edge. Leg drop after a power bomb. Tired of the lies, man. We bringing the truth through. Diligent and fruitful. The owners in our group, too. It's good to be king. Sold out this war is brutal. We playing them war games. Our army go move, too. You crew, I'm in the Raptors with a bat in my hand. And stand to shatter all your plans so they don't matter. And the grand scheme is that easy. We tag teaming, Donner Brothers, we love it, demand the win, establish it, this the clash of the champions. <laughs> this is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. Ladies and gentlemen, this will be the Daniel Bryan tribute episode, man. He announced his retirement uh, last night on Raw. And so uh, I thank uh, Roderick Strong for billing himself to talk a little bit about his rivalry in ROH a former Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion, two-time and current ROH TV champion, Roderick Strong, man. It was a, it was a great to have him on the show to talk about his uh, feud with uh, Daniel Bryan. This is, you know, just part of the entire uh, episode tonight. We're going to talk about uh, the life and career about Daniel Bryan. And, of course, the Flavor of the Week, we're going to talk about some personal memorable moments between Derek and I uh, that we had uh, as far as watching Daniel Bryan moments that uh, really uh, stood out for us. So kudos to Roderick Strong. Appreciate him revealing himself uh, to talk about Daniel Bryan tonight, Derek. Yes, honestly, Roderick Strong, thank you so much for being with us here on Pancakes Power Slams, episode 202, dedicated to Daniel Bryan, the beautiful Danny B, which uh, would have been a great name for him at some point. But, uh, I mean, it was it was sad last night, man. It was hard to see that. And, I mean, Raw did phenomenal jobs paying tribute to him as well, starting the show with a little collage and ending. I mean, they went over almost a half hour. So, I mean, a lot of people, there's a lot of emotions going on. I didn't see that coming. I don't think anyone did. It was just seemed kind of sudden. It was heard, oh, he'll be back. It's going to be a few more months, a few more months. And it was just like, you know, enough's enough. This is it. So, I mean, I can't say that I'm the biggest Daniel Bryan fan of all time. But, I mean, the guy's just a phenomenal talent. I've learned to love him. And uh, I think everyone else out in Pancakes and Power Slams land would agree that uh, he's 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 in the top in the top tier. I don't want to compare him to anybody else, but he has definitely left his mark and a huge dent. And he just seems like he came out of nowhere and just took WWE by storm, which not many people can do. Yeah, I think this uh, what stands out for Daniel Bryan uh, to me is you know I, I I wasn't necessarily a Daniel Bryan mark you know so to speak, but I respected the heck out of Daniel Bryan's work ethic. I mean, this you know he said in the speech you know he 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 just came to because he loved wrestling. And for some odd reason, you know, there was something infectious about Daniel Bryan. And what's it is just, you know, sometimes things just work. And Daniel Bryan, you know, he came in 2010 and, you know, he was even a baby face. Of course, he got fired, you know, after the whole NXT debut thing. And, you you know, I, I remember him from ROH. So him coming in, you know, he was labeled as a rookie at the time. And I'm like, man, this guy's far from it. You know, he, you know, during uh, the NXT at that time, it was more of a competition 
uh, than than an actual brand. And the Miz was his coach. And I was sitting there like, what is this? You know, Miz has been in the business for five years and Daniel Bryan for 10 uh, and over 10 at that time. And so, you know, it was double the wrestling experience that Daniel Bryan had. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, Miz is right in a lot of his promos, especially with AJ Styles. You know, when you you can travel the world and, and do all these things for other promotions, but, you know, when you step foot in the WWE, you kind of hit the reset button. So I did understand it from that sense. But, I mean, he upstaged Miz quickly. <laughs> of course he was going to do that. But, you know, it, it, when he came in and he left, he, you you thought you might have thought that it was he was just gone. It was an opportunity for him. But he was just so infectious. And you can tell that he really loved the business, man. You can tell that from every single move he does in the ring, that he is a genuine, truest form professional wrestler and and that's what I respect about Daniel Bryan. That's what I respected about Daniel Bryan. Uh, and of course two years ago, you know, I was one of the the biggest Daniel Bryan supporters and uh, you know, just because I respect him and, and what he did. So we'll talk more about Daniel Bryan uh throughout the show. Uh and then of course uh at the end of the show play of the week we'll talk about um the memorable moments of of Daniel Bryan. Let's get to Raw. We have Stephanie McMahon entering promo interrupted by Dean Ambrose. Then Roman Reigns. Stephanie then introduces Brock Lesnar for contract signing. And, of course, Lesnar attacks Ambrose and Reigns eventually. And then F5s Ambrose and then walks out. Triple H comes out and they have a stare down with Lesnar. So, throughout the show, uh, it seems like they're extending the rivalry between Brock Lesnar and Dean Ambrose. Now, I don't understand this too much. I I said on the show last week that I actually, even before they really started doing much with it, I kind of like the idea of kind of a heelish, a more heelish Brock Lesnar, the big giant guy that you know can't be defeated, going against Dean Ambrose. Now, again, I've never been the biggest Dean Ambrose guy. But at the same time, him winning the Intercontinental Championship was a really good uh, advantage, a really good um, opportunity for him to become relevant again because he was just, you know, so just kind of wallowing in the mid-card. Now, you know, feuding with Brock Lesnar is not necessarily a big thing that they're doing. It doesn't seem like it's going to go too far. But at the same time, you know, it's intriguing. You know, it's we're having that David versus Goliath kind of showdown. And so in the beginning of Raw, he actually um he tried you know, he got up in Lesnar's face, he walked in, you know, he walked over, no fear. He gets F five, unfortunately. But at the same time, it caused intrigue. So you know this whole Dean Ambrose and Brock Lesnar thing. I'm, I'm quickly buying into this. I'm, I'm actually intrigued. Yeah, I'm buying into it. Yeah, you know, like you said. I mean, 
Ambrose was at a stalemate not too long ago. And the David versus Goliath thing is always a great angle to put at it. And Ambrose is selling it well. I mean, he's standing up to him. He's just voluntarily getting in Lesnar's face and just showing him that, you know, this is who I am. I love that. I don't know if is there's enough behind it to make it a WrestleMania match out of it. Uh, at this point, uh, Ambrose is still, I mean, he's Intercontinental Champion. I mean, that would be great if he'd come out and you know, destroy Brock Lesnar, which I doubt would ever happen and this time around. So, I mean, it, it's kind of like, I'm still, what are they trying to do with this? Yeah, I mean, it's Brock Lesnar. He's got a few opponents that he could face that are a little more built for the role, maybe. Um, again, nothing against Ambrose. I think he's he's doing a heck of a job just selling it, making it a match that could potentially you know, steal the show. Uh, both of them have it in them. So it's I'm still not totally sold on it as them, you know, rivaling each other as far as like a WrestleMania or anything like that. I mean, but I mean, it proved me wrong, you know, and I'm just saying that, you know, Ambrose has respected, you know, what he's done. But still, I'm not ready for him to be a huge, you know, draw, almost like force feeding. It's like they would have reigned. However, this is seems to be a little more natural than what they did with Roman Reigns as far as pushing him into the spotlight. But him against Lesnar doesn't um, doesn't really sit a whole lot with me. But again, prove me wrong. I could go either way with it, really, honestly. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I agree with you with the whole prove me wrong thing. Uh, what year was Daniel Bryan born? There's your Daniel Bryan trivia for tonight in my access. Daniel Bryan trivia questions. What year was he born? Next, we have Dolph Ziggler and Kevin Owens. Now, here's the thing. There's, there's, a, there's a positive and a negative about this. The positive is that Ziggler won, so Ziggler winning is helpful. However, I have a really bad issue with this. I'm so tired of seeing the same stuff. 1981 is the correct answer. Great job. I am having so much problem with seeing the same matches between Ziggler and Owens over and over and over and over again. How do you adequately build either one of them if they keep fighting each other? There's there's no build. There's there's no intrigue to bring this to a pay-per-view. None at all. Because we're going to see it either on Raw or SmackDown. It doesn't matter who wins at the pay-per-view. It doesn't matter who wins because they keep trading victories. No one is looking strong in this whole feud. And whoever wins, if they have a match at Fastlane, it'll probably be good. But whoever wins, it doesn't matter. It's not going to help either one of them. If if Kevin Owens beats Dolph Ziggler, he already lost to him a couple times before the pay-per-view. So it's not going to build Kevin Owens or make him look stronger. He's just going to beat the same person who he lost to a couple times. I have a really big issue with that, with properly building stars in the WWE. Kevin Owens is one of the best heels on the entire roster, and you're making him look like a second-rate wrestler. Horrible, horrible booking, horrible, horrible way to build a very strong heel. 
this match was good, yes. But at the same time, who really cares about it in the long run? I uh, speak for everybody. I don't care about it. We've seen it a million times. I mean, they both put on a great show. They can sell a match and make it awesome. However, you see it so many times that both have wins and losses in the feud. I mean, Owens was on a hot streak not too long ago, and now he's starting to look like a defeated pup. I mean, the same thing with Ziggler. I mean, it's like Ziggler's almost like a – they never know what to do with this guy, so they just keep putting him in these matches. Uh, now, yeah, he can put on a great show, but again – it's not going to sell a pay-per-view. I don't care to see this on a pay-per-view. I've seen it enough times on Raw, SmackDown, Sunday Night Heat, whatever show they have, that's going to be granted Ziggler versus Owen. So we've seen it, we've seen it, we've seen it. I don't care anymore. You don't care. I don't think Pancakes and Power Slams fan base cares. We're all in this together. Ladies and gentlemen, if there's one person out there that says this is going to be a highlight of Fastlane or any future matches they have, then Stop listening because you can't yeah, convince us much. otherwise. There's no way. <laughs> exactly. So totally agree with that. There's there's nothing. This isn't even going. It's going to get to the point where this isn't even a highlight of main event. I mean, we're we're probably going to see you know this match carry over on superstars or something crazy like that. I, you know, it's it's just one of those things. You know, you had Savage and, like, for instance, you had Savage and Roberts. And, you know, their feud ended up having them, you know, they, they, they were feuding. They had a match at Sarah Knight's main event. You know, his he got DDT'd on the concrete. He had a concussion. He went out. He came back, you know, with, with some time. You know, people were behind the feud because Jake Roberts was a hero. I just watched a documentary uh, recently uh, within the past few days, and, and Jake Roberts uh, was a part of the documentary. He said something just, you know, Jake Roberts, uh, you know, it's one of those things that as a psychologist, as a soon-to-be doctor who is a psychologist, it's just really interesting to look into and just really delve into the mind of Jake Roberts. This guy is just he he's just endowed with knowledge of wrestling. He's intelligent. He's so knowledgeable. His psychology, his ring psychology, his psychology of the business is really second to none. He says something so profound that I'll just again, you know, so many times when Jake Roberts talks, you just have to take a deep breath because you're so enamored with what he says, but he said something like, you know, you know, don't, don't change your character, face or heel. And and this is, this is my Jake Roberts impersonation. <laughs> don't change your character, face or heel. Because what happens is when you're the same character, face or heel, they're going to buy into it no matter what. And when you're a heel, what you do is you make the opponent look large in life. Because what happens is, when you when the opponent beats you, you say, I just lost to somebody who's larger than life. But when I beat him, I say, you know what? I just beat someone who's larger than life. 
I mean, like this, that, that was Roberts. I, I'm sitting here at the gym look, listening to that. I'm like, man, preach. You know, he, he's such an amazing psychologist. And it makes perfect, perfect sense. I mean, why can't you, why can't the bookers listen to Jake Roberts and, and look at tapes and look at documentaries and listen to stuff like that? Because that's how you build stars. You make them look larger than life. You make the baby face look larger than life. That's what you did back in the 80s. That's the, that's the reason why Hulk Hogan was so over. And you had people who couldn't wrestle a lick who was just big. If you had a big person, Hulk Hogan, as much you know, as backstage we can talk about him, as much as I don't agree with a lot of things that he said that, that he said and done, you know, backstage throughout the years, Hulk Hogan's the man, you know, as far as wrestling is concerned, he always will be. He, Hulk Hogan made someone like <laughs> Zeus look like a million dollars. And Zeus, the only thing that Zeus had to do was come out to the ring and beat his own chest up. That's the only thing that Zeus had to do was beat his own chest up, and it made him look like a million dollars. That's how you build a heel. You don't just have them lose match after match after match after match and go against the same person over and over and over and over again. It does not make any sense. As Jake Robert would say, you got to make a larger life. You know, it, that's that's what you do. You make them larger than life. The baby face is larger than life. If he's built as larger than life, if the heel beats the baby face before the big culmination of the baby face winning, because the baby face will always win. The heel during the feud either wipes out the baby face, takes him out, brutally attacks him, gets the the wrestlers behind the baby face, and then the heel looks stronger because the heel just took out the larger than life baby face. Simple booking. But nowadays you gotta just keep on booking match after match after match with the same person and it doesn't build any one of them. Jake Roberts, Derek, Derek, how how about that? Jake Roberts is, I I mean, there's nothing I can add to what you just said. I mean, the master psychologist of all time, he could make anybody look fantastic. And I mean, it's like really going, when I watched him back in the day, it's not like you almost realize that until afterwards you look back and you're like, wow, there's nothing. I mean, he's, Nobody has matched what he's done as far as making the heel the heel and just cutting the, the promos. I mean, forget about it. You, you can't – he's not duplicatable. Is that a word? You can't make another okay. Jake Snake Roberts. And he's always just one of those – I mean, just a voice alone. I mean, I don't know if it's all the cigarettes and whiskeys down in his life. But, I mean, the dude, just to listen to him talk. Like you said, I have the DVD. I've seen it a few times. Not lately, but I, I want to hear Jake Roberts recite The Wizard of Oz, and he would make it sound, you know, like the best thing in the world. We'll often see so, the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz, because, <laughs> because, 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 because. So I mean, you know where I'm coming from. I mean, again, and it's just fused with everybody. He even he said with the, with the Ultimate Warrior, he's just you know, but he made even the warrior look good. So <laughs> yeah. 
sure did. So my hats off to Jake, man. I mean, he's he's one in a million. Yeah, he sure is, man. I, I totally agree with that. Next question for Daniel Bryan. What year did Daniel Bryan debut? What year did Daniel Bryan debut? Next, we saw Charlotte and Alicia Fox. And, okay, here we go. Here, here's another gripe that I have. Again, you have to distinguish your faces and your heels. If you want to have, you know, not necessarily a good guy or a bad guy, go watch MMA. This is professional wrestling. You have to build your characters. You have to. You have to build your characters. You have to make someone buy in to the fact that I can't stand this person or I really like this person. That is wrestling 101, period. If I'm watching a match between Charlotte and Lisa Fox, who am I going to cheer for? Charlotte's a heel. She does heelish things. Alicia don't know what the heck she is, but she does heelish things. So who am I cheering for in this match? Why are you just booking matches on Raw? I mean, Charlotte won, so of course that's, that's, I guess, making her better. It's building her better, but at the the same time, you know, I guess they booked Alicia Fox because Alicia Fox is with Team Bella with Brie. But Brie has been a heel, but Daniel retired, so she's a face again, and she's going against Charlotte, but they really didn't build her up to be a face. She really didn't make a turn. She's just kind of a face by default. So by default, Alicia, who hangs out with Brie, goes against Charlotte. I'm already confused about who to even pay attention to. This isn't helping Charlotte because Charlotte's a heel, so she needs to beat a baby face to make herself as a heel look better to build her character. She's not building her character by beating Alicia Fox. There's nothing about Alicia Fox that helps Charlotte as a heel. If she was a baby face, if they built Alicia up strong enough to be a baby face, and if she beat her, yes, that would help Charlotte's character. However... It doesn't, because Alicia's a tweener, I guess. Heelish, face-by-default tweener. So there's nothing that Alicia Fox can do that helps Charlotte's character. That's the reason why this match was just a total throwaway for me. Uh, the match was disgusting. I, the thing is, it's almost like they play pin the tail and the diva in the back. They just yeah, blindfold exactly. themselves, and whoever you know, they end up, sticking the whatever to it's okay alicia fox put her out against uh charlotte and i mean charlotte's got a lot to offer and again it's not helping her character one lousy bit putting her against alicia fox who again nobody knows from one week she's gonna be healed she's gonna be face i mean it's just such a total whirlwind of absolutely nothing and that's the divas division i mean we can go back and forth each week this was a good night well last week was a horrible night it's Last night was absolutely a disgrace, and it's it does nothing for either side. Even Ric Flair looks embarrassed on the side. And, I mean, he's there with his woos and his chants and whatever, but, it, again, it does nothing for Charlotte because she's got nothing to prove against Alicia Fox because Alicia might as well be like a Gilbert or something. It just, there's nothing 
important or exciting about the Divas division because they choose to make it that way, it seems like. I mean, you've got the talent there for some of them, and especially someone with Charlotte. I mean, she kind of stands out because she's tall, she's got the name, and she's got mm-hmm. the ability, but it's it's you got to put her up against someone that can help her out because uh, she's she can't do a match by herself. She can't. She can't. And it really doesn't matter who it is. I mean, if you're going against someone who isn't strong enough to make you look better, it's just a waste of time. I mean, it really doesn't matter who it is. I mean, you know, unless you're that rare exception, you know, with someone like The Rock is going against Hurricane, you know, the Hurricane, and when Hurricane beat The Rock, you know, that made him look like a star. You know, because you have that rare exception of The Rock being just really immortal in a sense. Um, you know, he's one of the few people who has that really immortal status when it comes to pro wrestling. But, you know, you know, for the typical build, for the typical, you know, desire to build any talent in the WWE, you just you can't do it, man. You, you can't just have these random matches, you know, for the sake of it. First of all, it's three hours, so I'm already getting antsy after hour one. So you have to, you have to keep me. You you have to keep me, and I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. I, and you know, I've been watching wrestling my entire life. This is the 202nd episode of the Pancakes of Power Slam show. We have been doing this show for 202 consecutive weeks. We have not taken we have not taken a single week off. That go that shows you the dedication that we have to do this show and the dedication that we have of watching professional wrestling. We do this for a living now. We are we we are podcasters. We we host a radio show. We host a radio show. We do this for a living. So here's the thing: we watch wrestling because we do it. We it's a part of our job now. But here's the thing: Derek has even said this before, and I agree. There's there would be times that I would be that I would have a very strong inkling to miss wrestling or not or, or not watch it on Monday. I would DVR it. You know, if if I didn't have this show on Tuesday, I would be tempted to DVR it and watch it, you know, some some other day because I'm not as interested in the product to make me watch it live for three hours straight after, you know, having a long day, you know, and it, it's just not like that anymore. And it's really unfortunate. You know, the, the, the hook yesterday was, and I think in, 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 in waiting to the very end for the Daniel Bryan speech was a very, was very good from a business standpoint. Yes, it was because that was the hook. That was the hook to have us endure Raw to watch the end, and it was definitely worth it because the speech was absolutely phenomenal. But at the same time, here's your opportunity. You're having people who's going to stick to the product for three hours this week. If you don't, you know, you see the numbers, you see the quarterly numbers, they dip, they go up a little bit, they dip, but they keep dipping. You have the opportunity of people that you know is going to be hooked to the TV for three hours, and you know this because you're setting up Daniel Bryan to become 
the person. The, the, the speech is going to be the moment. So do things that are a little bit more leading and a little bit more exciting to carry over to the next week's Raw. At least, you know, at least the next week's Raw. Preferably SmackDown, but they don't really do that much. At least carry to the next week's Raw. That's that's how you have to book it, man. It, it's real simple. Uh, we do not have the correct answer uh, yet. The the uh, question on board is what year the Daniel Bryan debut in professional wrestling? What, what was his first year in professional wrestling? Next, we have 1999. That is the correct answer. Great job. Miz TV with Chris Jericho. I wrote this, you know, I wrote a, an article on www.nation.com. Chris Jericho's he's not the guy for AJ Styles. And, you know, I'll probably go further into this maybe. But, you know, there's some spoilers going out for SmackDown. I'm not going to spoil it for you. But, you know, win or lose, Chris Jericho is just not the guy for, for AJ Styles because you come right out the bat. Even if they do a series, AJ won the first match. You know, and even if Jericho wins on SmackDown, AJ is going to win the feud. The the whole point of doing this is to make AJ look good, and Chris Jericho is notorious for making other people look good without having a real payoff at the end. That's the reason why his character has been weakened for so long in his you know fifteen seventeen years, you know, sixteen and a half years. In the WWE, his character has gotten weakened so much because even as a face or a heel, I can't think of one feud that he's actually won in the long run. I think if I can think of possibly one, I know that he feuded against Dolph Ziggler a few years ago when Ziggler was a heel. And before he left, I think it was like a Raw that he beat Ziggler or something like that. But... I mean, that really didn't do much because Ziggler, of course, Ziggler won still. But it's, oh no, you know what? I think it was he won at SummerSlam because, well, he didn't even win that feud. Because if I, if I, if my memory serves me correctly, I think it was something like he won at SummerSlam, I think it was, and then he lost the Raw. He lost that Raw against like a loser leaves or something like that. So he didn't even win that feud. I can't even think of a feud that he won that <laughs> made that build Jericho as a, as a person. I mean, he's, he's known, he, he's one of my top five, but at the same time, his character has been mired for so long that he really does not put people over. I mean, you know, Randy Orton puts people over because he didn't lose much. Seamus puts people over because he didn't lose much. Of course, John Cena goes without saying he puts people over because he didn't lose much. You you're putting people, of course, Brock Lesnar, if anybody beats Brock Lesnar, they're over, period. It doesn't matter who you are. If Heath Slater beats Brock Lesnar, Heath Slater is all is an automatic upper mid-card wrestler because that's how strong Brock Lesnar is as a character. He's been built that way. Undertaker as well. So with Jericho, not so much. Not even at all, really. Because his character has been built for so long to be the guy who makes other people look good. So that wears off, face or heel. 
and now he's doing the same old song and dance to make AJ Styles look better. I, I'm not a fan of it, and I and I even said this, you know, in my article. I think the Miz would have been a better option to go against and feud with AJ Styles because even with the Miz, you know, he's not the best person as far as win loss record is concerned. But even with the Miz, he he's a strong heel. He can elicit heel reactions. We saw it on Raw. He's a very strong heel, even as a mid carder, a really good mid card heel that elicits elicits reaction enough and he, he's a heat magnet. So he has enough heat himself. He garners enough heat to make AJ Styles look strong because he has all this heat. AJ Styles beats him. That means AJ Styles looks strong because he because the Miz is garnering all of his heat. Jericho's not. I mean, he gets pops, but people are just kind of giving him sympathy. And, and here's the thing: I'm a Jericho mark. Derek knows. Everybody knows who watches, who listens to this show. People know how much of a Chris Jericho fan I am. But I have to tell the truth. I have to tell it. I have to just be honest here. Jericho is not the guy. He doesn't put people over. He just loses to people, and that's really basically what it is. And it's it's unfortunate, but at the same time, you know, I'll, I'll get some good matches out of it. But it really doesn't, in the long run, it really doesn't build the other person. Yeah, it doesn't build the other person. I could almost see like maybe Owens. I mean, forget about his feud with Ziggler. Put him in there with AJ Styles. Uh, there's a couple of these, someone from the Wyatt family. I mean, Chris Jericho, again, he's just, uh, he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. So, I mean, he doesn't really make any feud that he's incredible anymore. And for the fact that he loses all the time. So it does nothing for AJ Styles. The Miz, you just mentioned, that would have been perfect. Even though the Miz seems to really, seems to be slipping a lot as far as, you know, his popularity and notoriety. I'd love to see Kevin Owens get in there with AJ on the WWE. I'd love to see, not Bray, of course, but Rowan or Harper. I mean, they could give out a good match to him. I mean, they're big guys and they're mid-card. Uh, let them, or even let AJ start out small, go up against Neville. You imagine the match that they could put on. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I mean, it's they could have done a lot. Bring them in, again, against someone like Neville. Even though Neville, I mean, who you want to cheer for? But, I mean, just the match itself would be phenomenal to the yeah. point where next you could have Owens come out. And, yep. you know, I don't know if they're just trying to bury AJ, like destroy him, like it's Sting, you know, God forbid. Or, you know, what's going on? But so far, I mean, his, his run has been blah, and it's it's been forgettable. And uh, Chris Jericho yeah. can't do anything to help that. Yeah, I mean, they, they really – I mean, Miz has helped it with the whole Miz TV thing and being kind of inserted in the feud. I think, that, I think that's helped it, but – they haven't built AJ strong enough against someone to to kind of have him cross that threshold. Owens eliminating him was a really really good start that they could have done, but they did the Jericho route. Eh, not a big fan of that. I mean, uh, you know, Jericho and AJ could have done house shows to kind of get AJ acclimated to the styles, but just from a road to WrestleMania standpoint. It doesn't make much sense to have AJ and Jericho, even if Jericho turns heel. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, AJ Styles is going to beat heel Jericho. 
So it doesn't it doesn't do much for AJ, whether Jericho's a face or a heel. I mean, we can enjoy it more when Jericho's a face because they both get really strong reactions. But at the same time, like like I said, at the end of the day, the payoff is is not much for AJ Styles. I was talking to a great friend of mine. He asked me what matches would I like what what I have liked to see. Well, like well, I have liked to seen uh, with AJ uh, other than Jericho at the, at the current time. You know, I, I mentioned Miz, but you you mentioned the Wire Family, I, and I did too. This was a few a few days ago. I even said Harper. I think that I think that Luke Harper is one of the most underrated wrestlers in any promotion. I think he's an amazing hand and. You know, he is, for his size, he's so agile, he can do a lot of things that luchadors can do, and he is a really, really solid talent, really good heel, great character, very good charisma, and if, you know, they're, if they're building the whole wide family to be somebody, and they're having these attacks on different people like uh, Big Show and Ryback, you know, attack AJ and have someone like Luke Harper be that guy who kind of fronts the attack on AJ, kind of like when Bray fronts the attack on Brock Lesnar. Have Luke Harper kind of come out on his own, still be in the Wise family, because Luke Harper by himself was not a very good idea, but still part, be a part of the Wise family. Be the strong second leader and attack AJ Styles out of nowhere. So the thing is with the Wyatt family, you don't have to really build them much. It's just a matter of the duh, lights go off. It doesn't matter who's in the ring. They can stay. The, the Wyatt family has the opportunity and has the ability to start a feud with anyone at any given time because Bray has the mic work to come up with some type of weird reason of why said person was attacked. Attacked. Same thing with AJ. You know, Bray Bray can be the spokesperson for Luke Harper. Eventually, Luke can you know can say, you know, you come in here, you want to make an impact. Will you make an impact with the Wide family? There you go. Luke Harper versus AJ Styles at WrestleMania. That would tear the house down. Yeah, it would. But uh, we don't really see that coming anytime soon. I don't know. Whenever Jericho. Decides to go back out on tour with Fozzie or whatever they're uh, waiting on or why he's even still around. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, the Wyatt family, I mean, they they do what they do. They're good. And they, uh, you know, Harper would really, I mean, him and AJ Styles, again, would typically just tear the place down, tear it apart. It would be absolutely awesome. And, I mean, even I was thinking AJ Styles and Sheamus wouldn't be too bad. Um, Not too bad. Yeah, so I mean, there's Del a lot Rio of options. Would be good too. Del Rio, uh, him and Del Rio, would be good. Any yeah. of those guys, even Barrett, would be a, a good option for AJ Styles. Yeah, he's injured, I mean, but he, he's injured, well, but I think that'll be a good match if if he wasn't his injured. His character yeah. and his performance ability. So I mean, there's a lot of options there. Why they chose Jericho? I don't know if this is Jericho's way of kind of exiting the the building or what they're. I don't know. I don't want to talk <laughs> about that because that's just you know my opinion. But anyway, so yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there for Styles. Is the WWE going to wake up and realize that you know this is somebody they really need to harness and take care of, make him yeah. their boy? I mean, just do it. 
I mean, listen, I as a journalist and, and writing for you know some very reputable companies, I get some information from people, and uh, yeah, I I I talk to agents and I talk to people backstage and I talk to you know some some insiders, and uh, yeah, I, I have a very strong um, indication of, of of how much AJ Styles makes. And it's a pretty penny, and it's one of those things that what he gets gives the WWE no other choice but to make him a star, and that's just good negotiation. That's that's what it really what it boils down to. And real quick, let me do this. Um, a, few, a couple of weeks ago, we had the uh, 200th episode, so I wanted to make sure that I give some love to some. Um, uh, to some other people who has uh, websites and um, and podcasts that uh, gave me some love uh, and some 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 awesome encouragement um, during that uh, two hundred episode, um, we have a uh, Bill Barons. Let's start with Bill Barons. Bill Barons is AJ Styles' agent. Um, he, you know, shout out to, to, to Bill Barons. He says, uh, Bill Barons, he sent to me. Bill Brasky. Uh, <laughs> he said, Bill, he said, Bill Brasky. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on two months episode. Um, uh, yeah, so he, he, he was a very, very awesome um, uh, very, very awesome uh, encouragement there from from Bill Barron's uh, AJ Styles' agent. Um, my boy Evan Prout from Under the Mat Radio, uh, he also had some awesome words to say. He said, uh, to my brother, the personal realm and this business, very proud of your success and hard drive day by day. You and I have the same vision and work very hard at what we do. Your show is well done and very informative. Keep climbing the mountain of this world. Radio podcast. Good work, brother. Very, very encouraging stuff there. We had Julia Romano from Bleach Report, my, my old Bleach Report colleague. Congrats on the milestone. It's a pleasure to have been a part of it at uh, all times. Steve Jewett from AngryMarks.com. Uh, uh, since congratulations as well. So we had a few more, but thank you very much for all of the uh, encouragement for the Pancakes and Power Sam show. So uh, I just wanted to make very, very clear uh, and give them a shout out on the show. Uh, next, we have the Wyatt family atta- uh, going against Ryback and, of course, uh, attacking Ryback post match. They attacked the big show and they attacked Ryback. So there's a part of me that thinks that there's going to be some type of you will probably have Bray with Lesnar. And then you have Strowman, Roman, and Harper. I'm kind of thinking they may do some type of three on three for Fastlane, just kind of a throwaway. Because right now there's still there, there's been many reports that they're trying to build Strowman to be a, a big guy, you know, uh, either at Mania or at SummerSlam. Um, Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker are, are two people who uh, are big names. <laughs> I'm talking as far as going against uh, Strowman. 
Um, I wrote an article uh, uh, on wrestling, uh, WrestleZone.com, actually, uh, about this. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and just to a, a update on uh, how I'm feeling, I'm much better. I got a little bit of a cough, but uh, you know that they they, they said that uh, I'll be coughing for weeks, unfortunately. So thank you all for your support there. But yeah, they said that um, Strowman was going to be, you know, he's Vince's guy. He's Vince's project. So I wrote an article on Russell's own that uh, they could really book Strowman to be an Andre the Giant. And Andre the Giant was never a wrestler. He was never looked as being a professional wrestler. And of course he was. He was just a big guy. He was seven foot tall. He was larger than life. Strowman's huge. They could book him the same way. And, you know, him and Lesnar would be interesting because, you know, the, the selling point is, not, is of course, of course, not the wrestling, but the selling point is will Brock Lesnar F5 Braun Strowman. So that would, that is a good selling point because here's the thing with WrestleMania. WrestleMania is about glitz and glamour and spectacle. So you don't have to necessarily have the most technical, technically savvy matches. And I even said this on the article, you know, Steamboat and Savage wasn't the $90,000 seat. The, 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 it wasn't the 90,000 seat match. That, that, it wasn't. As, as amazing as it was, it was not the 90,000 seat match. The 90,000 seat match was Hogan and Andre. Two people who can't wrestle worth a lick, but they were the main attraction because they were the large and live characters. Same thing. Brock Lesnar's, you know, he's over the past dozen years, he's definitely toned down on his ability to wrestle. His suplexes kind of look. <coughs> excuse me. His, his suplexes kind of look uh, not very good. Uh, but he's he's coined himself the whole suplex city. He's a he's a, he's a monster. He's a star because he comes out. He looks like he can just beat anybody up in the entire world, and he is a monster. He that he's built himself to be such. Braun Strowman, he came in choking everybody out, big or small, and no matter who you are, choking everybody out. So you can have them to clash, and there's your spectacle. I'm a I'm a fan of that because of the whole Hogan Andre feel and the whole you know clash of the titans so uh, so to speak. Um, he might not be ready, you know, as far as. He he could have done it, you know. Starting in January, he could have eliminated Brock Lesnar, and that would have been like, whoa! He he eliminated Brock Lesnar all by himself. That could have been the start, but they you know they they didn't do that very well. I don't understand how you can bring people who's eliminated to come back to the ring and eliminate someone who's there. Like I was talking to a friend, a good friend of mine, during the Royal Marks. I was actually with him and a bunch of other people. I said, okay, so that makes so so. What happens if the runner-up, if no, nobody's in the ring except for the winner, what happens if the runner-up comes back and eliminates the runner? So does the runner does the runner-up win now, or does no one win? It's just that whole thing of people coming back that are out and eliminating someone who's active—it just doesn't make sense. But it's 
it it doesn't Brock Lesnar and, and and Bray Wyatt just doesn't do much for me from a WrestleMania standpoint because this will probably be another WrestleMania loss by Bray Wyatt. And if Bray Wyatt beats Brock Lesnar, I, I just I'm just really I just really don't buy that. I, I'm not intrigued enough in that feud to to even really care about. Brock Lesnar versus Bray Wyatt. Now, I mean, I don't think anybody is. That's why, I mean, probably that's why they brought in Strowman is to uh, have somebody that size and, again, that again, he can't wrestle as much and as well. And like you said, I mean, Brock Lesnar, I mean, he pretty much, that's all he does is suplexes anymore. Um, and not, like you said, not very well. I mean, he's, he's doing a million times, you know, it just kind of becomes formulaic. So the yeah. um, Strowman, I can see... I, he's still too new for me to really sink my teeth into him and say this is a guy mm-hmm. that's going to do this, that, and the other thing. But as far as, I mean, yeah, I could see that match being a bit of a, not a main event, but a bit of a, a crowd pleaser. I'd be interested in it. And, you know, if you got someone like Strowman come in, dethrone Brock Lesnar, and that would be great. I mean, that'd be great for the Wyatts because obviously Bray Wyatt wouldn't be believable to do it on his own. So exactly. he's got one of the minions there to do it. So, I mean, it wouldn't be a total, you know, eye roller of a match. But, you know, again, it's to me, Strowman's still too new for me to really know a whole lot about him. I already know mm-hmm. I like him more than I do Ryback, so we'll kind of give it that much. And Ryback, well, Ryback with that new outfit. Yeah, he got new gear. Got new gear. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I want to go out and buy a T-shirt with him in his trunks. But, uh, yeah, and yeah, Ryback's throwaway. But, yeah, Braun Strowman could be that character Ryback should have been. How about that? Yeah, makes sense. I understand that. Next, we have Adam Rose and Titus O'Neil. Now, like, I appreciate that they're, you know, building Titus O'Neil as a, as a strong mid-card babyface. I'm cool with that. I'm not too big on the social outcast, but I've always had a soft spot for Adam Rose. I, I just, you know, I, it's something about Adam Rose that I think that they can really market. I think Adam Rose is very marketable. They just dropped the ball with him. The whole social outcast, I'm just not buying into. It's just the placeholder for me. But the whole Heathy baby, I I love it. His Adam Rose is, I guess Adam Rose to me is like Fondango to you. Because there's just a yeah. soft spot that I have for Adam Rose that really believes that he's marketable. His promo work is hilarious. And, you know, he comes out, Heathy Baby. I, I love that line. He's, I think it's so creative. I think it's absolutely hilarious. And the whole Rosebuds thing when he came out, the music was fun. I like that whole thing. You know, I don't like what they're doing with them now so much, but I think that they could, I think that that Adam Rose could be like a Tito Santana, very strong mid card babyface. I really think that he could be, and but uh, you know he's funny and and he's really the only person that I care for in the social outcast. So him winning wasn't a really bad idea for me. And he, you know, he is. The radical mongoose, Derek. Radical mongoose. I, I like that term he used last night. And I, I, I do like the social media. I'm behind them 
because I just like these social group media, of misfits. Social outcasts. <laughs> social outcasts. Yeah, whatever. I, I like the like the group of misfits they just throw together. I like Curtis Axel. Um, Fandango yeah, should be a part of it. Heath yeah. Slater's got his moments. I don't hate him. And Adam Rose, it's just I don't like him as much as you do, obviously. But yeah, I don't think anyone does. However, I mean, he does have a place on Raw, and he does have a place in that group. And mm-hmm. I like the group. They just kind of they know that they're the Raw losers, I guess. And so they have this extra you know, chip on their shoulder, and they come out, pat each other on the back. And I like that camaraderie. I think it's a great stable, and I want to see them kind of progress and do more. I mean, you know, maybe get some upsets or you know, things of that nature. But, yeah. uh, you know, Adam Rose, you know, take him or leave him. I am glad he got the win. And, again, it's just the camaraderie between the stable. Uh, and they can make this work. And I think them being their snide selves outside of wrestling on social media made this spot for them. And so, I mean, it's kind of like a self-deserving spot that they made. And so I want to see them do the best they can at it and keep going. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. So Dean Ambrose calls out Brock Lesnar, and Lesnar comes out, destroys Ambrose. Reigns comes out, uh, distracts Lesnar, and then Ambrose gives him a low blow. So the crowd was really behind Dean Ambrose, of course, um, because he's an internet darling. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I still don't see a lot of money in Ambrose. I like what they're doing with him on Lesnar. It's different. It's new. I just don't see how far it's going to go. It doesn't seem like it's going to go too far. I I'm I wouldn't be opposed if they took it to WrestleMania and did Ambrose versus Lesnar, but I'm just trying to figure out how any of this makes Roman Reigns stronger. It seems like they're trying to overshadow Roman Reigns uh, because they know that force-feeding him to the crowd just always backfires. So it seems like they're making a better rivalry between Lesnar and Ambrose to overshadow Roman Reigns. And um, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. Uh, because there's been talks of a potential heel turn from Ambrose to Reigns. So I I really don't know what they're doing with this. And it's kind of confusing, but it it does spark some interest, you know, for the the triple threat match. But, you know, how does this make Roman Reigns look strong? And if he's supposed to be the guy who goes against Triple H, He's the he's the weakest looking one in this whole booked feud. More people are interested in, you know, Ambrose and Lesnar than they are Reigns. So it's just again, it's just a booking, you know, cluster mess. It just it just doesn't make much sense in the long run leading to WrestleMania. It's gonna be a great match. It really is. But at the same time it's like, uh, you know, how is this building Roman Reigns at the end? If we see a turn, if we see Ambrose turns, how was feuding with Lesnar going to make Ambrose strong enough to turn against Reigns? It's 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 a bit too it's a bit too convoluted for someone for for a a, a, a spectator to really 
get behind one of the three. They're both technically, they're all three of them are techno, technically baby faces. And Lesnar is becoming more heelish, but it's really tough to turn him full on heel unless you have like an Undertaker. <laughs> like that's, the, that's really the only person that can make him get booed. And so it makes it really tough to really make any one of the three look stronger than the others because of that. And booking three, you know, Ambrose and Lesnar are very popular. Roman Reigns is being built up to be the next heir apparent babyface. So you're really not building one. You're not really making one of them look strong. So it's a bit convoluted for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's the the thing about it of the three. I mean, Reigns is the one who's like the the odd man out. I mean, I don't know if they're trying to build Ambrose to make this match more interesting, so because he doesn't have the physique as big as Reigns or Lesnar, but maybe they're so he's this underdog that just gonna come in and stand up Brock Lesnar. I don't care. He's a lunatic. This that and the other thing, which works because that matches his style. But again. What's what's the end result going to be? We're going to have the match at Fastlane, the three-way. Are Reigns and Ambrose still going to be friends after that? Or is one I'm going to turn? I mean, it's you know I can't see Roman Reigns and or I'm sorry, I can't see Ambrose and Lesnar giving each other high fives backstage and you know having fun and goofing off like him and Reigns do. So it's yeah. What is the end result? And it's it seems like it's such a cluster, and you're just going to be watching this match, you know, thinking. Something's got to happen. Something is going to happen between either Reigns and Ambrose, or I don't see how any one of those two could even pair with Brock Lesnar. So I just—it's it, weird. I don't know what, if they're doing that again just to try to make Ambrose more of a a player in the game. However, I mean Ambrose is fine what he's doing. So you know, it's it's very like you said, kind of a clustered mess, and nobody knows what's going to happen, which. It's going to make it interesting going into the Fastlane. It's just the end result. What's is it going to make any sense going into WrestleMania? Because I don't want to be disappointed. Yeah, and then there's a part of me. They did the whole Lesnar stare down with Triple H, and you know, from a marquee standpoint, Brock Lesnar versus Triple H main event in WrestleMania in Dallas. You know, there's nothing wrong with that from a marquee standpoint. But we've already saw that. We, we've already seen that. We've already seen. You know, Triple H versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. I'm not really interested in watching that again. You know, I possibly could watch that at the expense of the Undertaker main eventing against someone huge. You know, maybe you know Cena comes back from from uh, injury or, or someone out there that's worthy. <laughs> Daniel Bryan. Be, um, <laughs> Daniel Bryan, uh, just unfortunate, but it's not going to happen. But someone worthy of legendary, you know, don't have they don't have him go against like a Kevin Owens or something, especially if it's his home state, uh, Texas, and you know it's basically Undertaker country. So if they main event the Undertaker against someone legendary, um, that could work as a main event because I wouldn't want to see Brock Lesnar and Triple H main event. I, I just, I'm not interested, but I'm willing to see that at the expense of Ambrose turning on Reigns, costing him and then having an intercontinental title match between Roman Reigns 
and Dean Ambrose. I'm willing to sacrifice watching Lesnar Triple H again, you know, at that cost. I think that it would even be better if somehow the Undertaker is inserted in that match, if they do Lesnar Triple H and then make it a triple threat between uh, Triple H, Lesnar, and the Undertaker. So that would be that would be my preference if they did it that way and then have Reigns and Ambrose go against each other for the Intercontinental title. Both of them have a feature. They have they have a lot of they have a lot of time up. All right, uh, real quick, uh, Del Rio. Uh, what WWE Hall of Famer trained Daniel Bryan? That's uh, the next uh, trivia question. Uh, we had uh, Del Rio and Rusev defeating Lucha Dragons. Tamina defeating Becky Lynch. And then two things, real quick. We only got a couple of minutes. Um, that was Hilton on the Usos. That was uh, a bit weird. I, you know, it seemed like they're, it seemed like they're going to lead uh, this to uh, WrestleMania. We, we might see the Usos versus the Deltys for number one contenders match at Fastlane. We may see that. Uh, and then maybe the New Day may ruin that, and then we'll see like a triple threat, kind of like a TLC match, you know, like back in the day. I wouldn't be opposed to that. But just having the Dudleys turn heel, I don't see really what that does. It it, it just it, it's just really ill timed, and it's it's really too late. The train is is <laughs> the train has left a long time ago. On the Dudley's relevant the WWE at this point. <laughs> the train left Dudleyville. Yeah, is that sure we're trying is. to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really care one way or other. I didn't think the match was a bust, and a Dudley's turn on these. So who cares? I, mean, I was kind of more interested in Gold Dust and uh, dressing up like the uh, legendary Jimmy yeah, Hendrix yeah. to uh, against our truth. Uh, I'm digging it, and uh, I'd like to see uh, something like this a resurgence happen. So I mean, I I like the comedy relief on Monday Night Raw. It could use a little more of it at times, but uh, this is. Uh, this is something I would like to uh, actually see. So I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah, I mean, they can play off each other so well. Our truth is such a comic, as well as Gold Dust. Gold Dust could be, you give him the script to be a shepherd. I mean, he would make the most of it and be hilarious. So I mean, he could do anything. And so these two together, I mean, it's, I'm not going to say they're going to take over the world, but um, that was funny. I wanted to give a special shout out for that. But uh, yeah. yeah, Usos, Dudleys, and, eh, you know, New Day. With Mark Henry, of all people, you see Mark Henry just kind of, you know, <laughs> leave the room. That's pretty much how yeah. it goes. Unfortunately. Excuse me, why touch the oh, 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 Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy about that. I'm glad to see him back. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, that was that was really funny. Uh, Shawn Michaels is the correct answer. Uh, Daniel Bryan. All right, we only got a couple minutes left. Let's talk a little bit of Flavor of the Week. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week. All right, Derek, real quick. What is your most memorable Daniel Bryan moment? Uh, There's a few. I don't know. I like Team All Know. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of forget about that, but I thought, you know, that was great between him and Kane, their back and forth style. Uh, 
when uh, Seamus beat him at WrestleMania, I can't remember which one, it was like two or three years ago in like a few seconds, for him to yeah. come from that and to go on to be the Daniel Bryan that he is today. And obviously him against the authority and coming through the ranks. I mean, it's the ultimate underdog story. Everybody loves the underdog, but he played it so well. And he got the ultimate payoff that he deserved. And uh, it's unfortunate what happened now, but he can always go to bed at night knowing that, you know, there was a time in this universe he was uh, the main guy in WWE. So it was just kind of seeing his beginnings, you know, and he really made it his. He made it his own. And so, yeah. yeah, again, God bless him. Great job. Absolutely. Just like you said, I mean, 5'8", 190 pounds. I mean, who would have thought, you know, that he would be the guy? And, you know, uh, real quick, my, my most memorable Daniel Bryan moment, you know, I remember that match between him and Nigel McGuinness in uh, uh, ROH. That was just phenomenal. Of course, the match with him and Roderick Strong in 2005, almost went an hour. Great stuff. But uh, I would say – I think that Daniel Bryan saved WrestleMania 30. I really, I really did. It was, it was supposed to be such a monumental, you know, uh, event. It wasn't very good, especially when you had, you know, the Undertaker lose against Brock Lesnar, uh, losing the streak in New Orleans. It was just horrible. The Undertaker just looked so decrepit and just feeble. It was a really bad showing of the Undertaker. But thank God, you know, for Daniel Bryan defeating Triple H in the beginning and just saving that main event because who really would have would have want to see Randy Orton versus Batista in a simple singles match to end WrestleMania 30? That would have been absolutely brutal. And and I wrote an article on Bleach Report about that a few years ago. How bad that would have. And I mean, just on paper, it just makes absolutely no sense. Thank God that Seattle hijacked Raw. Thank God that it was so infectious for him to be thrust into the main event because he really, really saved WrestleMania 30 uh, because of everything that happened that wasn't uh, favorable in the in the uh, the viewer's eyes. So, kudos to Daniel Bryan. I tell you what, man, he at 34 years old, he's almost 35. 35. Accomplished so much at 30, you know, within you know, the first 34 years of his life. Man, a lot of people can't say that. They really can't. People are, you know, double his age and still wrestling for, you know, pennies on the dollar. So for him to do that is very admirable. So I have to say yes, yes, yes to Daniel Bryan. God bless you, man. And thank you all for listening. That's 202 episodes. We will see you next week. God bless you all. Enjoy your week. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.